The peace of Christ be with you. Let's begin our time together with some quiet and deep breaths. It's always relative quiet. And if anybody in a church ever complains about the sound of children, good God, go sit somewhere else for a while and feel the longing for the young in our midst. So sometimes we get ready for worship in quiet. Sometimes we do it in exuberant noise and it's all good in God's house. So let us worship as one beloved community. morning. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Friends, a space has been made here for you. Praise for a place to grow in faith and wisdom. Come and share in what God is doing. Let us worship. may be seated. Welcome, welcome here to Westminster. Welcome to worship. If you're a new part of our worshiping community, a special welcome for you. I do invite you after worship for coffee and tea and snacks. I think you, often we have it in our garden and the weather's great now, but I think we've set it up in our Finley Hall. Uh, but I do invite you to join us there for a chance to get to know each other just a little better after worship. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God, 
Sometimes you call us into new places and new ways of being. This means letting go of some old things and learning to embrace other things. This is hard and be scary and is filled with uncertainty. Infuse us with your grace as we navigate such circumstances. Give us clarity as to what's essential and what we can let fall away. Help us to honor the need to adapt and change, in particular, to make room for others who have been kept out, deemed second class, or ignored. Release us from that which holds us back. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that in Jesus Christ, God shows and tells of an endless love that inspires new life. In God's abundant love, we are forgiven. We are set free to begin anew. Thanks be to God. Amen. So today is a Sunday where we celebrate May birthdays. If you have a birthday in May, or maybe if you missed a birthday blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come forward. You could just stand, yep, exactly, right like that. Just stand right here so we can all see your May birthday faces. All right. I want to share with you today part of a poem from Anne Weems, and I'm going to make an apology to any of you who are deacons. I actually shared part of this poem with our deacons last Tuesday, and it was so good, I wanted to share it again with all of you as the birthday blessing. It's a poem that highlights basically the different seasons in a church year, and right now we continue to be in the season of Easter, so I wanted to read you the part of her poem that talks about Easter. So she says... The church is Easter. Out of death, life. Out of blackness, a lush green world, flowers in the ice, sun rays in the storm, mustard seeds galore. Our souls enter a spiritual springtime. Our bodies given over to leaping and dancing. Our very beings saturated in hosannas. Our shouting crashes in upon the world. The Lord lives. We live. Resurrection resounds throughout our community. So my hope and my prayer for you on your birthday is that you will experience this Easter blessing, not just on your birthday, but truly throughout the year. Every day, may your bodies be given over to leaping and dancing. Every day, may your being be saturated in hosannas. May it be so. Happy birthday. invite you to be seated, all of you, and usually at this time I invite the children forward, but I'm going to ask you to wait. You all can be seated. Even if you are a younger person, you too can be seated. We are going to invite the children forward in a moment, but before then, we have a special moment that Jeff is going to tell us about. 
we're acknowledging our graduates for the class of 2019 today. Uh, this is, a, as per usual of this church, it's an extraordinary group of young people. They are going to take the light that hopefully we have imparted on them and given to them through the grace of God and taking it to all places here locally, around the state, around the country, maybe even around the world. They will go to school close by. They will go to work, some of them, sooner than others. I'm reminded oftentimes of that joke in Tommy Boy that a lot of people go to school for eight years. Yeah, they're called doctors, you know. <laughs> so however long they go to school, I'm sure it will be productive wherever they go. Uh, some of them will go into the military. They will serve our world and our church in numerous ways. Of course, 18 graduates, we're not ever going to get all of them in the room at once. And so we're, uh, I just want to make that known that not everyone is here. But just as much as they are, may not be here this very day, we still acknowledge them as part of our community and still behold them close to us in our hearts and prayer, celebrate their lives and their achievements, their talents, um, their God-given abilities. And we will continue to celebrate for you graduates. We will continue to celebrate your special skills, your talents, your journey wherever you go, when you're here and when you're not. So I wanted to invite a, a few friends that wanted to share a few words about some of these graduates. And so I have my friend Lauren wanted to come up and say something about uh, one of, a couple of them who've been teaching. Do you want to try this one? Lauren, try this It's a little shorter. It's a little shorter, yeah. No offense. So. Um, thank you, um, Max and Madeline, who taught my classes. It was really fun to have them there, and they taught me a lot, and I really appreciate it. So, yeah. Thank you. Good morning, Westminster. Good morning, graduating class, those of you who may be here. Um, I'm here to speak a few words about a couple of outstanding persons, Max and Rex. I'll try my best to keep it brief. Now, it's been a little while since I've gotten a chance to catch up with them both, but um, I, anyways, I hope I, you know, what I'm going to say is going to stay somewhat relevant. I've got to work with Max and Rex on the San Diego mission trip a couple years ago. And to give a little context, once in San Diego, our whole Westminster group was split up into smaller groups by the organization that we were working with to go work in the San Diego area with other organizations. And Max and Rex ended up with my group. Now, as a leader, as a bit of a hands-off approach, I wanted to simply emphasize working hard, staying focused, and appreciating why we were there to go swimming and hang with horses all day. <laughs> in reality, we spent our time helping two ranch owners prepare for their yearly after-school program in any way that we could. It involved some hard work in relatively hot conditions, and I would not have been surprised to feel some dissension in the ranks in my group, but there was none. Day after day, throughout the whole week, everyone was putting in incredibly hard work and seriously quality work in huge part to those two. Every time I would look around and check on the group, Max would be cracking jokes, keeping smiles on faces, all while having a bundle of weeds taller than he was in his hands. Rex would almost be literally surfing on the bed of the work vehicle while we were, that we were allowed to use on his way to get the 10th load of material before midday. These guys were not only doing phenomenal work, but making sure everyone was enjoying themselves at the same time. In essence, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Not only did it make my job easier, but it reminded me that work should always be accompanied by enjoyment. So here I'm in, I am to remind you guys, as well as the rest of the class. Whether it's acting in a breakthrough production on stage in Rome, or pushing the sport of surfing through its first years as an Olympic sport, always remember to enjoy yourself, and in doing so, lift up those around you. Whatever it is, good luck in the next few years. We'll all be cheering you on. Thank you. Toughest job is following John Gibbs. Um, he's, we were on the mission trip together, and John's a phenomenal guy, a real servant leader. I had the pleasure of uh, the last two years on the mission trip spending a lot of time with Blake Miller, 
Blake, are you here? Can you stand up? Awesome guy. This, this guy is phenomenal. Um, our, our fun trip was going down to the uh, St. Vincent de Paul's kitchen every day to serve. We served about, I think the minimum was 500, the maximum was 800 meals each day. I'll never forget Blake the first day. Um, here he is, you know, this outstanding young man and looking at these people with, with all the misfortune they had. And like almost all of us, Blake was maintaining his distance. He was sort of, wasn't really ready to engage with them because they were the other people. By the beginning of the second day, Blake started to form bonds with these people. And that by the end of the week, they knew each other by name. Blake was, was one, of, one of the group. Last year, he went down again, and this time, Blake assumed the role of a servant leader and led the younger kids that were there that hadn't done it before and just was, was there. He was so present. I, I love that about him. Um, in our evening sessions, we would we'd talk about faith issues. This kid's got it. Um, and he's questioning. He doesn't just believe. He questions every day. I learn from him every day, and I think those of you that have gotten to know him before, you're fortunate. Those that haven't, make sure you get to know him before he leaves. Blake, you're awesome. I'm a creature of habit, and I always sit in the same place. <laughs> and the blessing of that is the Phillips family is often at the end of our row. And for years, I've watched them support and encourage each other through thick and thin. Uh, I'm going to speak about Dominic. Dominic's twin sister, Sophie, graduated yesterday. That's why she's not here. <laughs> a lot of celebrating. But it's been just a privilege to uh, and to know Grandpa. Anyhow, the whole family, they're, they're a great team. Dominic is graduating from the Marin School and plans to go to St. Mary's in the fall, which is in the East Bay. And he, you may not know this about Dominic, but he's quite a linguist. He loves words. And for those of us who have been around a while, we've had the opportunity to read some of his poetry. I remember it was a couple of years ago, I think, Dominic, that you wrote something in the Advent, and Rob came to me and said, is this really a 15-year-old kid? He couldn't believe the maturity and beauty of his writing, and I just read some poetry last night of his, and it has such a depth and wisdom and beauty to it, so he loves words, and it'll be so exciting to see what you do with your life, Dominic. Congratulations. I'm Evelyn Sayers. That's Livy. She is not here this morning because she's been celebrating her birthday. So if you see her, happy birthday and happy anniversary of being a mom to my friend Trick. I am so Livy. I've been thinking about you and what I wanted to share about you. I wanted to say something down to earth and folksy, a la Joe Biden without the massaging. Peter said not to say that. <laughs> but the thing that kept coming back to me was to thine own self be true. Shakespeare a pretty far cry from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and a bit pretentious for the truly authentic person you are. But I really think you embody those words like few people I know. It was a joy to see this and the spirited little girl I got to see grow up. It was an inspiration to see this in the teenager who just seemed to know who she was and what she wanted her path to be. But it is really just an honor to see this in you as a young woman discerning what it means to be in communion with others as you launch towards your next adventure. And in honor of your next destination, I'll move from the bard himself to Laissez-les Bontons Roulet. Congratulations, congratulations, Livy. We're all so proud of you. Hi, guys. I'm Luke, and I'm going to be saying a couple words about my buddy Andrew Sim. So, I don't think I've ever met a kid with such positive energy as Andrew Sim. There's just simply never a dull moment with him. And I don't know what it is about the guy, but he can just lift up entire groups of people just by his presence. 
Andrew's one of those guys who just gets along with everyone. You could put him in a room of 100 strangers and he'd walk out being friends with all of them. Um, there's just types of people in the world who are solid, solid people. Uh, people who never have bad things to say. People who give their best in life every day. People who are so supportive of others. And that's Andrew. This a year was my first year of high school at Branson. And being honest, it was, it was kind of tough for me. But it was every bit more tough for Andrew. Uh, dealing with medical problems and struggling to keep up with school because he missed large chunks of time doesn't exactly fit the description of an easy year. Um, however, despite all that... Sorry, I did not print this out. Uh, <laughs> however, despite all, of that, all the crazy things going on in his life, Andrew came to school every day with a smile on his face, living life for what it is and not getting worked up over stress or grades. He was always so... He always welcomed me and was just so kind to me when he really easily couldn't have... Um, He's taught me so much, and I don't even think he knows it. And he's not here today, unfortunately, but I just kind of want to, if he was, this is what I'd tell him that he taught me. One is to enjoy life because it's way too short to worry. Two is laugh a lot because he did that a lot, and it truly is the best medicine. And three, no matter how different from someone you may think you are, there's always something you connect on. And I know I already said this, but Andrews influenced my life in ways I don't think he probably doesn't even know. And I wish him all the luck in college, and I'm really going to miss him. I just want to close. This has a, become a custom here. In the fellowship hall, you'll see where the kitchen is, a bunch of these... Oh, the places you'll go books, one for each of our graduates, and we're inviting you, uh, as is also custom, to write something in each of those books. Maybe you know one of our graduates, you remember them, you, maybe you taught a class with them, or you know their family. By all means, please uh, just leave them a note in that book, and you don't have to leave one in everyone's book, but you can, so certainly take advantage of that. Uh, This particular group has been special to our church because of the impact that they leave here behind. Whether it's our children going to Sacred Stories and seeing the boxes that Grayson built uh, through the Boy Scouts, it's a very tangible thing that we see regularly that our students have left behind for us. Or it's the groups and the spirit of unity that they have brought here by my friend Sophie, uh, who brings people from different political persuasions together to have them work out their differences in front of an audience. That's something adults can't get to do, (laughs) but our graduates get that to happen. So what I'd like to do is also as custom during graduation is to have all the graduates come up front because we need to embarrass you just a slight bit. So those graduates who are here, would you please come forward and as... And I want to invite our children who are worshiping here today, who are here for a time of discovery, if you would please come to the front, and we are going to uh, just say a blessing over each of these fine young men and women. Would you please pray with me? Holy Father, we are so grateful for the joy it has been to see these young people grow in front of us. We are grateful for the gifts and talents that they have, that you have given to them, that they have then used uh, to be a blessing to others. And we pray for the light that is inside of them, that they carry it, and may it shine brightly wherever they go. And we look forward to hearing back about all the adventures and things that they've seen whether it be across the street, across town, across the state, across the country, across the world. We celebrate each of them. We pray all this in your son's name for his sake. Amen. Amen. Time discovery, if you would please stand up and we are going to now go to our classes. Go now in peace. Go now in peace.
go. Now, as we move into our time of joys and concerns, I invite you, if you have something to share with us in our time of prayer, to just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Mary. Absolutely. So a couple different prayers from Mary. First, her husband is actually currently at a funeral for one of his, one of his very good friends who died suddenly. So prayers for that family. And then prayers for Dominic, who's been having some trouble in his eye, but just actually got some good news about it. So we rejoice with you in that. Absolutely. Others? Yeah, Gary. So Gary's mom was having a series of strokes Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Um, looked pretty serious, but as of Friday, it sounds like maybe she's turned a corner and might be able to go home soon. Yeah. Is there someone else over here? Yeah, Lucy. Prayers for a 27-year-old nephew who had major hip surgery on Friday. Came through the surgery great, but has a long recovery ahead of him. Yes, Pat. Prayers for my friend Trish who starts chemotherapy for colon cancer. Hmm. Prayers for friend Trish starting chemo for colon cancer. Elizabeth. Yes. Thank you for lifting that up. Yeah, Susan. So Susan Burkout is actually in Southern California. Her daughter is at a graduation. Um, but Sequoia is like a daughter to Susan. And we've been praying with Susan for this woman named Sequoia for a heart transplant. And she got a new heart just recently and seems to be doing very well. So prayers of joy and continued health for Sequoia. Yes. Others. Yeah, Nancy. Absolutely. Continued prayers for Peter and Marilyn Wirtz as Peter continues at a rehab facility in San Leandro trying to get his strength after his chemotherapy. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, prayers for friend Kimberly in the fourth week of cancer treatment. Just prayers that that tumor will shrink. Let's have a few moments of quiet as we hold all of these prayers, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people. They're offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
first scripture reading is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne also said, See, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. And the second reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, the 11th chapter, the first 18 verses. Listen for what the Spirit continues to say to us this morning. Now the apostles and the believers were in, who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why do you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The spirit told me to go with them. And not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered this man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who was called Peter. He will give you a message by which you have, by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us. At the beginning, and I remembered the word of the Lord, and how the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that God gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After hearing what we heard earlier, I think in future years I will simply leave the sermon to the graduates and those who would speak about them. Graduation is such a powerful ritual. It's one of the few rituals we still share as a society reaching across traditions when we ask young people to stop for a moment. One of the few times we actually let them stop. Tell them to slow down and look back, reflect on their life, and think about where they're going. Of course, the irony is they have no idea where they're going, nor should they. We should remember that. I'm not at all sure life is about knowing where you're going anyway. I think it's more about the presence you bring to where you are. But it's an interesting ritual. 
that maybe all of us could do this time of year to slow down and stop, think about where we've been and wonder how we're inhabiting this present which will allow the future to unfold. It's the time of year when commencement addresses are circulated all over the place by given, given by all sorts of probably surprising people in certain settings, at least. And I usually really enjoy reading some of them, but this year I've been thinking more and more that it's the young people who've been saying inspiring things. I think of, of people like Emma Gonzalez, teenage girl survivor of the Parkland shootings. She's the one who has a really good hairstyle, though I'm biased if you've seen her girl with a shaved head. Not long after the shooting, she spoke at a rally that was televised. I can't imagine how scary that must have been, having survived that to stand up in an open space before crowds of people and scores of cameras. And she did two incredibly courageous things, I noticed as I rewatched the speech this week, right at the outset. She asked for silence, and she cried both of which are remarkably vulnerable, particularly for a girl, girls who are told in a million ways that crying is about weakness and they are better off quiet. But she took those supposed signs of weakness and turned them into a moment of power. Mary Oliver talks about making space for another voice to come in, and I gather that in that quiet and through the gift of her tears, in her vulnerability, she heard a deeper voice calling her to say some difficult things to the adults gathered there. And so she called them and she called us to account. The number one rule and responsibility of adults in a society is to make sure the children are safe. And she said to them and to us in no uncertain terms that we failed. You shouldn't have to go to school afraid of that. And she said, of all the excuses and the reasons that adults give for how we can't fix this, she called in her own words, B.S. Because prophetic speech is always in the vernacular. It's always the language of the people. It's always the language of the street. And she was unafraid to use it. Incredibly courageous had lunch with Doug Hunnicky, pastor emeritus of this congregation over the past year, and he had worked out a whole case as to why she must be the Nobel Prize winner this year, Nobel Peace Prize winner, as, as if I held the key. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, I mean, I'm, I'm on your team. But that's how inspiring this young girl is. I think also of, of little Greta Thunberg, my Swedish doesn't do her name justice, I know. Uh, but she's been making waves long before she's old enough to graduate from any high school. She's become a global force of sorts around the climate breakdown, about the ecological devastation that we're not only witnessing, but we're causing. The sixth grade extinction, we're the drivers of that. And she too has spoken through tears Tears when she lists the insects that are going away and the different species that will be gone before long. But she takes her, her words to the most powerful places on the planet, speaking to gatherings at the UN and governments and non-governmental organizations. And she, too, calls for a certain accounting Naming inadequate action or inaction altogether or resistance despite irrefutable evidence. Not long ago, she was speaking at the House of Parliament in the UK. And she said to them, you know, when I was growing up, I was told, like so many of the people who are young here today are told all the time, uh, dream big. The sky is the limit. You can do whatever you want. And she looked at those members of parliament and she said, you lied to us. Because we may not have the future that you told us we could have. 
And so don't talk to me about skipping school on Fridays to protest. Why go to school for a future we may not have? And didn't your schools teach us to do something to make the world better? You may or may not know that, that Greta Thunberg has Asperger's. She's on the autism spectrum. And you may assume that right now I'm about to tell you that that's another hurdle she's overcome to be this remarkable young person. But actually, she has taught us on that front, too, because she understands that way of being as an asset to her cause and to her life. She says, it gives me a different relationship to people. And so when all the vitriol and the hate and the death threats that come toward her and they come toward her in spades, she says, it doesn't faze me. And so this little girl in stature can stand up, not just in front of opponents, but at these gatherings where people are coming together to work on solutions, supposedly the people on the, on the, on the good team, right? She will look at them and without hesitation call them out on their hypocrisy for showing up in private jets. Flying being one of the dirtiest ways of travel and fly on your own jet even worse. And then she finishes what she has to say and she gets on her train and goes home via public transportation. It's powerful witnesses. When I hear these young people speak, I have two emotions that come up in me. The first one is uh, pride. How proud a world should be of young people such as that. Though pride isn't the right word because it's sort of condescending and patronizing. You're proud of someone who is lower than you. And if anything, I look up to kids like that. So find a new word. That's a sibling of pride, perhaps. But the second one is profound sadness. How sad it is that young people should have to see the kinds of things they have seen which would lead them to say the kinds of things they've had to say. It's not fair, as my son would say. Now, I know young people have been seeing and speaking to difficult things all the time and often not on the news, but in their own circles of life. Kids who go to bed hungry every night Go to schools that are unsafe, live in homes or neighborhoods that are ravaged by drug abuse. There's an image that I carry with me that I saw a couple of years ago of children, not much older than my son, I think, playing in a little swimming hole, a little uh, man-made swimming hole filled with water. They're Syrian children, and it's man-made by the crater from a rocket. And that's what they swim in. It makes me profoundly sad that children have to see that. This is big stuff. We thought, oh, great, I'm graduation Sunday. Rob, cheer us up. Uh, but the young people know plenty well what the world is like, maybe earlier than you should have. So what do we do with that? How do we go forward in light of that reality? You come to church in part to turn to the tradition to seek some deeper wisdom. And the tradition gives us two pretty heavy readings today. The first is from Revelation. Nothing says a baccalaureate celebration like the apocalypse of John, uh, Revelation. But I figure if, if young people can handle HBO's Game of Thrones, they can handle John's. And John's revelation reads like Game of Thrones. Quite literally, it's this cosmic contest over who will occupy the seat of ultimate authority in the universe. Will it be these forces of violent rule and exploitation and hurtfulness, or will it be the one that we call Christ, who rules in the peaceable and just kingdom for all? Who will win? It's a confusing book if you spend any time a bit. Uh, with it, but if you unpack it, it makes a good bit of sense. On one level, it's a symbolic way of understanding the destruction of the temple, which happened in the year 67 and completely rocked the world of the Jewish people and of the early followers of Jesus. And they needed to make sense of that in a big picture kind of way. And it was a coded way, therefore a safe way, to criticize the powers that ruled the day, to lift up how 
how the world was so different from how God must desire the world to be, which is why it's a fitting text to read when we talk about young people like Gonzales and Thunberg, who likewise lift up how out of sync the world is. And it was John's way of envisioning how things could be different if the God's desire and reality were finally merged as one. And so you hear these beautiful words of a new heaven and a new earth emerging from the very womb of God in a fountain of life from which all are invited to come and to drink. Revelation ends with drink. Acts starts with what to eat. It's a very different passage. I think my mother gave me passage or uh, uh, advice about what to eat when I graduated as well, getting ready to go off to college. It, it, it was sort of uh, lowest common denominator advice. She said, just include things that are green at some point. And I thought, does Mountain Dew count? Acts is not this big apocalyptic vision. It's not much of a vision at all. I mean, there is a vision in it, but Acts is very much on the ground. Acts is writing to people who are starting a new religious movement, and they have very diverse people who have to figure out how to live together. Now, I know there's nothing relevant in that for us today, but just humor me. And the customs they have are central to who they are and their identity. And those customs are around things like what you eat and what you do to your body and who you can be with in certain ritual moments. And it, everything mattered. And they had to figure out in very practical terms how to live together. And they do two interesting things in this passage. The first thing they do is they seek a greater spirit. They don't want this just to be a, a, a competition of egos or uh, the best speakers or the most intimidating people. They recognize they need wisdom from beyond. And so they come together and they pray. And out of that uh, spiritual openness, they're given a vision. A sheet comes down from heaven with all these animals on it. It says, go ahead and eat. Now, I noticed reptiles were on there, and that's an issue I want to take up with God later. I'm not sure about eating reptiles. But notice what they experience in their vision once they open themselves up. They are moved to take the more inclusive path. Don't you dare call profane what God has made. It's a really beautiful moment in vision. And so these very two passages actually speak a lot to the reality that young and less young people face right now. What I would say to the graduates, what I would say to any of us, is that life is about both of these themes. Having a big vision and learning how to be practical about it all. Life is, at the end, a balancing act. And most of it isn't lived in the public eye, and most of it won't get you on TV, and much of it won't ever even get you noticed, nor will you ever see the effects of your actions. But how you show up in those moments will determine how all of this unfolds. You have to have them both. All vision, and it's very inspiring as you run in circles. All practicality, and, and the train leaves on time, uh, but it's headed for the edge of a cliff. So how can you hold them together? Both being willing to dream and to cast a vision of how the world really could be, even if your world is very small, and being willing to roll up your sleeves and get down in the weeds. I guess if you're getting in the weeds, you don't want to roll up your sleeves. You keep your sleeves down, because poison oak. But, but you get the point. You've got to be up here, but then you've got to be willing to come down there and do the work. Now, this is the moment where in a graduation speech, you give all kinds of quippy advice about how to do that, but I'm not going to do that because this isn't a graduation speech, it's a sermon, and I'm more concerned not with where you're going to be one day, but where you are now and how you are here, because here and now is where and when you will always be. And I think if you have an open mind and your ears are open more often than your mouth is open and your heart is open, and you too and we too seek that wider, deeper wiser spirit, then the future will just unfold and take care of itself. 
And so I know we ask you to consider where you're going today, but I don't think you need to know where you're going. And so I'll simply leave you with a prayer that perhaps you can use as a traveling companion for all of life. Whether you look it up online or carry it on a phone, I'm a little old-fashioned that sometimes you need to put your finger on something to be sure you know it still exists. And so take these as parting words, a prayer from one of the greatest spiritual thinkers of the last century, Thomas Merton. And he notice he starts at a place we already know is so. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. It says nothing about belief. Everything about desire. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. Though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear. For you are ever with me. And you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Keep that, and you'll find your balance. Amen.
We give thanks for these gifts, and we hope that you will boisterously sing the doxology next week. <laughs> but for now, we're going to move on. And I am going to invite you to just take a look at the announcements in the bulletin. We have several things coming up after worship, so take a look at what's going on and plug in where it is right for you. I do want to introduce Nick Morris, who's there in the back. We just stand and wave at us. Nick is the executive director of the Street Chaplaincy, and one of the things happening after worship is he will be in the fireside room telling us a little bit about what the Street Chaplaincy is doing and also just giving us an update now that the rest program has ended, what is happening um, here in our community for those who are experiencing homelessness. We're going to take a look at the bulletin and find ways that you can plug in that make sense for you. And now I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn, number 488. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother to us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen. <laughs>